0: Some good news uh, this week, and at least slightly, author Salman Rushdie is said to be on the road to recovery after he was attacked and stabbed repeatedly on Friday, uh, just before delivering a lecture in New York State. It was unclear what kind of condition he was in on Friday, but we've heard some decent news. He's been taken off a ventilator uh, and was still being treated for injuries, though severe injuries, including three stab wounds to his neck, four stab wounds to his stomach. He might lose his right eye. Uh, There's a 24-year-old New Jersey resident called Hadi Matar who was arrested at the scene. Now, the attack comes after decades of death threats against Rushdie, his novel, The Satanic Verses, whose depiction of the Prophet Muhammad was seen by some Muslims as blasphemous. Well, today, an Iranian government official, they issued a fatwa against uh, Rushdie back in the late 80s. An Iranian government official said that Tehran was not involved in the stabbing of the author. They did blame Rushdie, saying he exposed himself to popular anger and fury through insulting the sacredness of Islam. A U.S. State Department spokesperson, Ed Price, denounced those remarks. It's despicable. It's disgusting. Uh, We condemn it. You may not know this, but one of the first places that Rushdie found diplomatic support back then was here in Canada in 1992. He was invited to a pen conference in Toronto, Bob Ray, then Premier of Ontario, was instrumental in making that happen. He couldn't fly commercially at the time, and even introduced him on stage, the first time a political leader back then had done that, since the firestorm had erupted over the Satanic Verses. It also included one quite famous photo of Ray giving Rushdie a kiss on the forehead. Well, the two have stayed in touch over the last 25 years or so, including a reunion back in Toronto in 2017. We thought we would see what Bob Ray... Thought of all this, thought of his old friend and what had happened, and he joins us now. Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, of course, Bob Ray. Thank you for your time tonight.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me on the show.
0: Yeah, one of the things that struck me just hearing about what happened to uh, to Salman Rushdie on Friday was was just thinking back to when you shared a stage together. Not exactly the same kind of setting, but you'd been on a stage with Salman Rushdie. It must have it must have brought you back.
1: Uh, it did. It is exactly exactly true. Um, he he came to the Penn benefit, a, a, a major fundraiser for Penn Canada, um, and getting him here was a was a bit of an exercise because he wasn't allowed to fly commercial um, by any of the airlines. They wouldn't they wouldn't have him on the on their planes. So we then had to get him here on a private plane, figure out how to do that, and it was it was complicated. Um, but it was very much hush hush, and it was very much a surprise when he came on stage. It was dramatic, and um, they often have an empty chair at Penn Benefits to, because Penn is an organization that is all about uh, writers who are in jail or uh, on the you know, not, not able to publish or uh, being repressed in some way. Uh, and so for him to be there was a, was a dramatic moment. Uh, For everybody. Um, But I I have to say that the circumstances of his being there were one of celebration and where I think he felt very protected and where, frankly, I think he did have quite a lot of protection from various police agencies that uh, were following and and, uh, making sure he was okay.
0: When you saw what happened on Friday, it must have reminded you of, of just what it was like to be around Salman Rushdie in public. Even back then, when it was it was different. Obviously, back in nineteen ninety two, the fatwa was was relatively recent. Uh, the controversy was still very much a hot one.
1: Yeah, well, he became a lightning rod for uh, fanatics of various kinds um, uh, because of the not only the outspoken nature of his of his books. Uh, both his fiction and his nonfiction, but also because of his personality. I mean, he's he's not somebody who's ever going to cower in a corner. He's um, he's a, a a very outspoken, uh, candid, uh, blunt um, person who's not afraid of controversy on any number of issues, uh, and in in today's world, you you never know who's going to take offense or take exception. And I think that's, it's also clear that there was an organized effort by the, at that time, by the Iranian government to encourage somebody to actually kill him. Um, and we don't know enough yet about the individual who um, attacked him in Chautauqua. So we don't really, we don't actually know for certain uh, what, what that person did or what, was motivating him, who he had talked to, uh, what was in his head at the time, and that'll all come out as time goes on.
0: Yeah, it's it's odd, though. It's just a reflection of just how controversial in some ways. I mean, it felt like that time had passed in some senses that Salman Rushdie had had sort of everyone had moved on from those, those days back when you first met. Uh, and yet this was a reminder that he was always, that that was always lurking out there, this anger against him, this irrational fanaticism that, that was aimed at him over so many years.
1: I've well, got to remember that he, he deals with a lot of very controversial subjects. I mean, the, the midnight's children is about the, the conflict between India and Pakistan, which I can tell you being at the U.N. is still very much alive. The Kashmir issue, still very much alive. Issues of extremism in both countries, very much alive. Uh, Extensive uh, conflict in some ways intensifying now um, in that part of the world. Uh, Plus, of course, Iran, Iraq, uh, the Middle East. um, uh, Issues around what's been going on in England and terms of brexit and and other things about which he's been very outspoken so uh, it it is i think it's a mistake to think that the issues that he spoke to uh both in the satanic verses and in uh and in midnight's children those issues are somehow settled and and resolved they're not at all settled uh, and they're still very much alive
0: of course, as you were pointing out today, the seventy-fifth anniversary of, uh, of Pakistan and India's partition today as well. Um, you were the first world leader to co- sort of to embrace him at a time when he was sort of living in this strange purgatory that that all the controversy had brought on. What what was the decision? What made you decide to do that publicly? Well, I wasn't
1: just embracing a person. I was embracing a um, a, a belief that I have, and that is that. Um, People's ability to speak publicly, to speak, to speak out, to be critics of governments and the status quo, uh, is something that I value a great deal. Uh, and I think that the the, 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 to me, it's a central value in our in our in our culture. But it's also, it, it's a centrally, it's highly contested globally. Uh, but it's a, it's a central aspect of the of the current battle that we're in globally in terms of dealing with autocracy and dictatorship and, and tyrannical governments that are brutal, that still carry on torture and still uh, execute people on a regular basis. And that's what the government of Iran is, is what the number of governments are in the world, it's what we're dealing with in Russia and the Ukraine. So it, to me, it, you know, my beliefs in that sense have not changed uh, since my early, early days. I was always a very strong advocate for freedom of expression and for, um, particularly for artists and, and critics and writers of various kinds to be able to freely express themselves. That's, that was partly what our battle with the Soviet Union was all about. That's what uh, fighting against the treatment of Jews in Soviet Union was all about. I mean, you can go down the ways in which that's always been a key part of what Canada has stood for, and I felt that's what I should stand for.
0: It was important symbolically for him too, though, because at the time he was having trouble finding world leaders to share a stage with him.
1: Well, I think a lot of people were very intimidated. Let's not forget, uh, book publishers' uh, offices were being blown up. Uh, one of the translators, j- Japanese translators of his book, was uh, was attacked with a knife. Um, people were assassinated and killed, and that went on. Uh, the the French. Uh, uh, comic satirical weekly newspaper Le Canard Enchené, uh, was uh, was was blown up and tacked. People were killed. I mean, it's it's a very important battle that we're we're still fighting. Which is a battle for it's a classic battle for freedom. It's a battle for freedom of expression.
0: So I'd imagine that just your initial reaction to what happened on Friday was one of perhaps a shock, but not necessarily surprise.
1: No, I don't think surprise was the right word shock mm-hmm. would certainly be a right word, but not surprise uh because he's still a very uh, a very vulnerable figure obviously, and now we realize just how vulnerable he, he was and to what extent he'd become a i mean people i mean when people go after you and I find this even in my own public life you know they don't know me they're not going after me personally they're going after what they think of me or how uh how I've been branded, or how I, in this case how Salmon rushdie has been branded. I, I'm absolutely positive that the individual who, who assaulted him had never read one of his books. I'd be amazed if he had.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'm speaking with Bob Ray, Canada's ambassador to the United Nations. We're talking about Salman Rushdie, of course, who is attacked on Friday uh, while giving about to give a talk at a small literary conference in upstate New York. Uh, He's since been improving, but the injuries are severe. Um, And we're talking just about... uh, some time way back in 1992, 30 years ago, it seems incredible how fast time has flown by that uh, Bob Ray shared a stage with Salman Rushdie uh, at the Penn Conference in Toronto, bringing him over sort of under secret uh, and becoming perhaps the, the first world leader to share a stage with Salman Rushdie back then. When we come back, uh, they, they've remained friends to a certain extent and have been in touch. We'll talk a bit about that when we return. Bob Ray, our UN ambassador, is our guest this half hour. We're talking about the author, Salman Rushdie, who was attacked on stage on Friday in upstate New York at a literary conference uh, more than 30 years after a fatwa had been issued against him, uh, essentially a a call for his death issued uh, against him by the government of Iran uh, for a book that he had written in 1988 called The Satanic Verses. You stayed in touch after that 1992 meeting Um, over the years. I I guess you, you must have just Followed along quite closely as he became, I guess, sort of started to, you know, get rid of the security detail. Life became a little more free for Salman Rushdie. He was out there more often, and he'd sort of. And that's where we were when this all happened last week.
1: Yeah, he he moved. uh, I mean, he left London. He left England, and he's he's living, I think, mainly in New York at the moment. Um, I I saw him, and I've seen him a few times since since uh, 1992. I would stress. When I met him, I didn't know him. I, I had not. He was not a. He was not somebody that I knew, or was a friend. He was a friend of of Mike McNatty since since ninety two. Recently, I saw him in two thousand and seventeen, where he came back to Toronto for, uh, the twenty uh, fifth anniversary of the meeting, and um, he it was a major sort of ce- celebratory event uh, for Penn. And uh, both Salman and I were there, and we had a good chat and had dinner together. So it was it was good to see him then, um, and to be able to renew our our friendship and our contact. Um, I didn't see him; I haven't seen him recently because of COVID. Um, but um, I look forward to seeing him when he gets out of hospital.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, the idea still. This this goes back to what you were talking about. There's that great picture of you kissing him back in 1992. Going back <laughs> those years and just the, you know, what you've been fighting for. The idea that that speaking in one's mind, that writing things that people disagree with is still a very dangerous business or can be a very dangerous business. I think that was what was most shocking about what happened on Friday to those outside of it, is that you thought, wait a second, that's, that, that's, this has been going on. He's been a target for 30, more than 30 years, and all of a sudden, here we are at 2022, and this happens to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, I think we talked about the word shock. I mean, it is shocking. Um, but I think it is, it is a reflection of the reality of our time. And it's been, I think, intensified because of social media. Uh, the extent to which um, people live in silos, um, some of the silos are extremely fanatical, very dangerous. We have issues with um, domestic radicalization of people of all kinds. We have uh, various kinds of extremism uh, being expressed. Um and th- this is this is something that we are now having to live with in Canada and the United States and Europe around the world. Um, n- no part of the world is immune from this kind of of risky, dangerous um, reality, and it's something that we have to really contend with because it is so um, appalling, and and it is it does represent such a threat to um, our ability to express ourselves and debate issues uh, in a way that is that is civil. Uh, the late Bill Graham, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago, used to say that uh, it should be possible to disagree with people without being disagreeable. And that was a very civilized way of, of describing one situation where we, we can see by just by watching television and watching the national news and listening to talk radio how people being disagreeable is increasingly common uh, vilifying uh, people that you don't agree with. this takes it to another level. This is a level of extreme fanaticism uh, people thinking that the only way to deal with people that they find offensive is to is to try to kill them and uh, that that's I think what's shocking for all of us and um, Canada's not immune to this. we've seen instances of it in uh, in our life uh, in Quebec City and in Ottawa and all over the place. I mean these these things happen. Um, but it is a reminder that uh, what I would call our our way of life, uh, the way in which we have hoped to conduct ourselves, is something that we have to continue to to fight for.
0: I guess no surprise today that the first reaction from Iran was essentially to blame Salman Rushdie for this. It would have been nice to see them come out with and condemn this, but I suppose that was beyond beyond expectation.
1: Well, the Iranian regime is depraved is a is a depraved regime. I mean, it is truly corrupt. It's violent. Um, it uh, it's, it incites violence around the world. Uh, we have instances where they've you know set people in to blow up a synagogue and kill dozens of people in Buenos Aires. Uh, they do the same and uh, throughout the Middle East. Um, it's it's a terrible government, and um, we will once again, Canada will once again, be presenting a resolution uh, to the General Assembly of the United Nations, pointing out the ways in which. Fundamental human rights are not are simply not respected in uh, in Iran. One of a number of countries in which that's true. But Canada has been the 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 sponsor of this resolution, and we will continue to sponsor this resolution because I think what we've seen with Salman is the demonstration that their behavior is not getting any better; it's getting worse.
0: Bob Ray, as always, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Good talk to you. Thanks, Ben.